You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI podcast, your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about depreciation recapture and the time value money and why in many cases it actually makes sense to maximize your depreciation expense today so that you can take that money, reinvest it, continue to grow your portfolio. And this is a topic that's highly debated within the Tax Smart investors community. That's exactly why we're going to cover it today. And we're going to dive into all of that in just one second after a quick word from Crystal View Capital. Recession resilient are two words that are heard often when discussing investing in mobile home parks and self-storage. But what does that really mean? And what happens if there's not a recession? At Crystal View Capital, we are vertically integrated and have over 150 employees focusing on assuring our assets perform daily, regardless of market conditions. With over $85 million in distributions paid to investors since 2014, we focus on downside protection, upside maximization, and all the hard work in between. If you are an accredited investor and would like to learn more about our current offerings, please visit crystalviewcapital.com or click the link in the show notes. All right, and we're back. Brandon, I know recently you made a post about this in the tax market investors community about why it often does make sense that to maximize your depreciation expense, uh, despite the fact that depreciation recapture exists. So uh, why don't we kind of kick off with why this topic is even debated in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. So let's set the foundation. So depreciation recapture. When when you buy a property, let's say you buy a property for $100,000 and then you later sell it for $105,000. Most investors, the first time going through this, think I have a $5,000 capital gain, right? Because I bought it for 100 and I sold it for 105. But accountants and experienced investors that have done this before, that have sold property before, think, how much did I depreciate the property? Because the gain is the sales price minus the adjusted basis of the property. So if I owned, if I bought the property for 100K and I owned it for some time and I depreciated it, $20,000 over the hold period, my adjusted basis is $80,000, right? 100 minus 20 equals 80. So if I sell it for 105, I actually have a $25,000 gain on sale. So we have to decouple from this idea that the gain is my sales price minus my purchase price. The gain is sales price minus my adjusted basis. Now, when you look at that $25,000 gain, $5,000 comes from appreciation, right? Because the market value increased. $20,000 comes from depreciation. So we've got a total $25,000 gain. 5K is coming from increase in market value. 20K is coming from depreciation. And the 20K coming from depreciation is called depreciation recapture. So I depreciated my property. I used this deduction and I gained a tax benefit over time, or maybe I did bonus depreciation or whatever, but now it factors into my total gain and I do have to pay tax on that depreciation recapture. Straight line depreciation recapture is recaptured at a maximum rate of 25%. If you bonus depreciate, 
then you can be paying ordinary tax rates and there's different rules with that. So you got to be careful, but it could be as high as 37% if you're in the highest tax rates. So that recapture at the end can be very expensive and can catch people by surprise if you're not planning for it. And there are people out there that will put stuff on social media and basically bash cost segregation studies and bonus depreciation and say it makes no sense. We've seen accountants say that everybody that promotes this, is they're out of their minds. We would never, ever take this type of position. Those people are not basing their opinions in fact. That's the simple answer. So the technical way to do this is to run a net present value calculation, right? If I run a cost segregation study, what is the cost of the cost segregation study? And what is the tax benefit that I'm going to get in year one? And then you you map it out, right? So I go five, seven, 10 years, however long I'm going to hold the property. And then you factor in the sale and the tax liability that you're going to have. And you discount it all the way back to figure out, is this a net present value positive or negative uh, result? And if it's positive, you take it, right? That's technically how you're supposed to do this. Most of the time, cost segregation studies are going to yield a net present value positive result. So most of the time, it's going to make sense. In times where it might not make sense are like if you're holding the property for two or three years or one year or something. Yeah, okay. We don't want to do a cost segregation study because this net present value is being boosted by reinvesting the tax savings. So we're not just like taking the tax savings and buying a Ferrari. We're going to go take the tax savings and throw it into an index fund or we're going to buy more real estate, right? And if you factor that into your net present value calculation, you get a big boost. But that's like the technical, you know, we're going to map this out on an Excel sheet way to do it. But that still doesn't align with reality. (laughs) And that's what a lot of people miss when they say depreciation recapture is like nobody ever factors in depreciation recapture and it's so expensive and it doesn't make cost segregation studies worth it. And bonus depreciation is a scam. Like you see these people posting this stuff. I think it's more for engagement bait than it is for any sort of actual advice. Because even when you run those net present value formulas and even when you say, oh yeah, this cost segregation study helps, it's still not rooted in reality. Because the reality is, at least in in our experience running this CPA firm and working with investors that are at the very beginning of their journey and investors that are at the end of their journey, and some of our clients are worth nine figures, right? So they have massive wealth. They've built huge amounts of wealth over their life. They don't sell property. <laughs> so, and, and I should say, let me, let me back up. They sell property, but they 1031 exchange it. So they never create a taxable event. And if you never create a taxable event, then depreciation recapture never comes back to bite you. And I think, you know, I, I used to think that 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 wasn't something that happened. You know, that was just like a pipe dream, right? Like just 1031 exchange until you die and then pass it to your heirs. They get a stepped up basis. That sounds really nice to say, but more of a pipe dream because that's hard to pull off. But we've now seen it so many times with our clients, with different clients. I think it's more signal than noise. So I think that it's a good conversation to have about the depreciation recapture, right? You want, you want people to be very well educated. But what we find is that when investors get educated about depreciation recapture, they never sell. <laughs> they just never sell because they don't want to get hit. So they just 1031 exchange. And whenever they need to create liquidity, they just do a cash out refinance on their portfolio. And then they create. They don't sell. 
They just keep 1031ing and eventually they die. They pass it on to the heirs. Their heirs wipe everything out because they get a stepped up uh, basis to fair market value on the date of death. So all the depreciation recapture goes away. The appreciation goes away. So when you kind of think about it like that, you also have to come to the conclusion of like doing the cost second bonus depreciation makes absolute sense almost in 100% of cases. And this is not tax advice. This is not legal advice. It's not financial advice. So please run this by your own accountant. You know, I don't want you listening to this podcast and then just going cost second your entire freaking portfolio. But the point is, is that it probably does make more sense than not. If you have this long-term view, if you're like just trying to churn through properties every you know, three, five, seven years, and you're not going to 1031 exchange. Okay. I can see us having that discussion. Um, but if you are like most of our clients are turning out to be, then it's, I'm going to hold real estate until the day that I die. Uh, I'm not going to ever liquidate in a taxable exchange. You know, I'm, I'm just going to keep 1031. And so it's that depreciation recapture just never comes out. Now, Okay, so I'm not going to sell. I'm never going to sell. Let's just go with that assumption. I'm never going to sell. I'm always going to 1031. Uh, or I'm never going to sell in taxable exchange. So I'm always going to 1031 and, and then I'm going to die. So even then, why would I cost segregate and bonus depreciate, right? And that is where inflation comes into play. Because you can straight line depreciate your property all you want to. That's totally fine. But inflation is going to chip away at your tax benefit every single year, right? So the theory behind this is if I'm going to hold my properties forever, my properties are going to be cash flowing a lot at some later point because rents are going to appreciate 2%, right? I.e. inflation, but they're going to appreciate 2%, you know, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be cash flowing a crap ton 10 years from now. Also, I'm going to be at peak earnings in my job. So I'm going to be in the highest tax bracket, and it's going to make more sense to take the depreciation then via straight line than front-loading the depreciation today via bonus depreciation. That's typically the train of thought that comes from, well, you know, cost eggs, bonus depreciation doesn't make any sense. We should just straight line everything because we're going to be in a higher tax bracket, and we're going to have higher cash flow later. But we are not factoring in inflation when we think about it like that. Um, we're also not factoring in the fact that most most of our clients, at least, you know, we, we've been doing this since 2016, so seven years, so maybe not enough of a data pool, but we do have like eight, 900 clients at this point, all in real estate. Uh, what we see is once you get enough portfolio, once you get this like critical mass of rentals that are producing solid cash flow, you quit your W-2 job. <laughs> and when you quit your W-2 job, guess what happens? You become a real estate professional, essentially, because now you're just managing your portfolio full-time. And guess what happens then? You wipe your income out. <laughs> there is no income. So we planned for this big like, like tax increase because we were going to be entering these higher tax brackets. But in reality, we hit this financial freedom number. We quit our W-2 jobs. And then all of a sudden we pay, we're paying very little in taxes or no taxes. We have clients that cash flow three, 400 K a year and pay almost nothing in tax. So if you told them, if they had planned on straight line depreciation throughout life, you know, to offset this future higher tax benefit, well, now all of a sudden their straight line depreciation is giving them almost no benefit because they're paying nothing in tax anyway, because they're sheltering this cash flow. So my point is, is that we kind of have to think about the various scenarios, more, more realistic scenarios uh, as real estate investors. And to do this, you just start networking with people that are in different phases of their journey. Like 
ask them about the decisions that they made, and then you'll be able to factor that into your own decision making. But from what we've seen is most people plan to be in a 37% tax bracket, but then they realize, man, I've got critical mass in my my real estate portfolio. So peace out, W-2 job. I'm going to go do this full time. Now you're a real estate professional. And now we're buying a property once a year, we're cost segregating it, and then everything goes to zero. (laughs) So it's just, I think that those things don't really get factored in. But on the inflation side, coming back to that inflation piece, let's put some numbers behind it so that you understand what I'm talking about. So if you buy a $450,000 property, let's say 50K is allocated to land, 400K is allocated to the building. Now, if if you're in the Facebook group, you already saw my post on this, maybe, hopefully. So this might not be new to you, but everybody else that's not in the Facebook group or hasn't seen the post, it is in the Facebook group, so go check it out. But you buy for 450, 50K is allocated to land, 400K is allocated to the building. You straight line depreciate that over 27 and a half years. You're looking at roughly $14,500 of depreciation every single year, annual depreciation, right? So that's going to create a tax benefit. If you're in the 32% tax bracket, and let's just say you have uh, 5% of state taxes as well. You've got a 37% total tax liability on every dollar of earnings, which means you also get a 37% tax benefit on every dollar of expense. So $14,500 of annual depreciation times 37% is like $5,300 roughly. If you bought this property in 2020, the first year you get that $5,300 tax benefit, right? I took my $14,500 deduction, multiply it by 37%. I get this $5,300 tax benefit. In 2021, inflation was 7%. So in 2021, I'm still claiming this $14,500 deduction. The deduction amount did not change. Right. Even though inflation has increased all the cost of goods, I'm still claiming the same $14,500 deduction. But because inflation chipped up 7%, my tax benefit, the real dollars has decreased from 5,300 to roughly 4,900. Ouch. Right? Because everything else around me has increased in price. The cost of eggs has increased, milk, materials, everything has increased. So in 2020, receiving $5,300 in a tax benefit, like like imagine if if somebody cut me a fifty three hundred dollar check in twenty twenty, I could buy a lot of a lot, a lot of goods, right? But in twenty twenty one, that same fifty three hundred dollar check no longer buys the same amount of goods because the price of goods has increased seven percent. And then in twenty twenty two, we had six point five percent of inflation. So now my fifty three hundred dollar tax benefit in real dollars is like forty six hundred dollars or forty five hundred dollars, some somewhere around there. So every year, my tax benefit becomes less and less and less in real dollars. Right. So when you put together inflation, chipping away at my tax benefit, when you put together that, the fact that you probably won't be working your W-2 job forever, you're going to hit that financial freedom number. One day, your boss is going to piss you off and you'll be like, I'm out. I don't need this. So your tax bracket's going to go like be cut in half. You couple that with inflation. And then with the fact that people typically don't actually sell, at least that's been our experience working with our clients. I'm sure there are people out there that do it, but 
People don't sell in a taxable exchange. They 1031 and then they refinance. They cash out refi to create liquidity. When you put those three things together, you start going, well, it almost doesn't matter what the NPV says <laughs> on Excel, right? Like you should cost second bonus depreciate every single time. Now, it's, it's not, again, not financial, not tax, not legal advice. Please run this by your accountant, your professionals that are in your life. Um, but that's kind of how we look at it. Now, again, there are situations where it doesn't make sense. You do have to take a critical view uh, every single time, right? But that's sort of how we work through it with our clients is like, why wouldn't you cost second bonus depreciate if those three things are true? Are you looking for a law firm that can handle your real estate transactions with expertise and efficiency? Thresher Law Offices is a premier boutique law firm specializing in real estate acquisitions, private placement syndications, debt and equity financings, and corporate transactions. Their team of experienced attorneys understands the complexities of real estate transactions from purchase agreements to fund offerings and everything in between. Thresher Law Offices advises their clients on structuring transactions for real estate development acquisitions, debt and equity financings, commercial leasings, and has extensive experience in private placement syndications, helping businesses raise capital through private offerings. Thresher Law Offices builds long-term relationships with the clients they serve, creating strategies and opportunities not just for today, but for your future needs as well. With their knowledge and expertise, you can trust that Thresher Law Offices will guide you through the legal process with ease and confidence as you make critical decisions that will shape the future of your business. Visit www.thresherpllc.com to learn more and schedule a free consultation. Again, to learn more and schedule a free consultation, visit www.thresherpllc.com. The link will also be in the show notes, but for right now, we'll dive right back into today's episode. It's almost like you need to take a long-term view and really get clear on what your goals are for your portfolio, right? If you're going to hold until the day you die and you want to build this massive portfolio, then it absolutely makes sense to commit to the strategy you're just mentioning because you know where you're going, right? You know where you're going and you know what's going to happen. So you're, you'll be confident when you're making these decisions. I think where a lot of people, maybe they haven't gotten to the point yet where they've, they've been able to commit to that, where they determine this is my strategy. I'm not in this for short-term gains necessarily. I'm in this for the long haul. And if you're in this for the long haul, then everything you just said makes a ton of sense. I think a few other points to make here are a few other things that people might be thinking about is, look, not only is inflation chipping away at your buying power, but there's also opportunity costs, right? Um, if you take the, if you can accelerate your depreciation and you can invest the tax savings, you can also earn a return on your money. I always use this example because it's such a just a round and easy example for people to kind of wrap their head around, right? If you had $100,000 you were able to get in tax savings, right? You reinvest that $100,000 at an 8% return, compounded, right? Compounded return, you're going to end up in 10 years, you're going to end up with $215,000, right? That's $115,000 that you wouldn't have had had you just paid that money to the government. So not only is inflation a factor in it, but also the opportunity cost of the money of the return you could be earning had you put that money to work. And again, if you're in it for the long haul and you're building this massive portfolio, then you want to keep, you want to be able to invest as much as possible, right? So you take the tax savings and you invest. That's another factor. Let me chime in on that real quick because you're totally right. And if you extrapolate that one degree further, if you had been cost segregating and taking bonus depreciation, granted 50% bonus depreciation pre-2017, but if you'd been doing this 2012 to 2019, taking those tax savings and buying more property, you would have made millions of dollars over the past decade. 
facts. And granted, that was like a unique market cycle that might not repeat itself in the future. But the point is, is that if you can you can reinvest these tax savings, had you been doing that over the past decade, you would have made millions of dollars. We know people, both client base and then friends and investors and stuff. We know people that have done literally that. They buy their properties, they cost segregate, they bonus depreciate, they roll it into the next one, they do the Burr method, they refinance. And over the past decade, they built a multi-million dollar net worth by just rolling everything back in. So when you factor that in, it's like, who cares about depreciation? I mean, yeah. I don't want to say who cares. We all care about depreciation recapture. We don't want you to pay. We want you to be educated and we want you to understand what's coming up. But you also got to look at it from a more practical standpoint of, you know, if I just keep reinvesting this cash and I don't have a taxable sale, I'm good to go. Yeah, 100% accurate, 100% accurate, right? But then we also have the some of the pundits, right? Or some of the naysayers. Okay, well, what happens when you get to later on in the, in the later stages of your, your journey, you no longer want to deal with having a huge portfolio? Okay, then what, right? Well, there's an answer for that too. There's a few answers for that. So um, assuming you can't have your heirs take it over, right? They could run the property when you get older. And then that when you pass away, you can get that step up in basis. Let's just assume you can't do that, right? So assume that's not an option for you. Well, what you could do is you could 1031 exchange your properties into a DST, a Delaware statutory trust. Um, that is a 1031 exchange alternative. And typically with a Delaware statutory trust, you're investing in class A properties, you know, like think of like a dollar general, like a, a Walgreens yeah. or something along those lines where someone else is responsible for the day-to-day -day management of, of that portfolio. So you're getting, you're, you're basically taking all the money that you accumulated, then you're turning it over to a class A property that's usually relatively stable and safe. That's usually how these things are set up. And now you're alleviating yourself of the burden of actually having to worry about managing the property. And that's not uncommon to see as people get, that. that is a path people take as they kind of get later on into their journeys. Some people, to Brandon's point before, will just keep holding their properties until the day they die. And that's that's one way. But if for some reason you can't do that, you have this 1031 exchange option into a DST. Now, there's another option here that we've talked about here on the podcast, not going to go too in-depth on it today, but it's the 731, excuse me, what's been dubbed as the 721 exchange, an upreach transaction where you actually Basically, you take your property and you contribute it to a REIT. In an exchange, you get REIT shares or sh shares of a REIT, effectively diversifying your holdings. And also, usually these REITs are investing in, in Class A properties. So the point of the matter is that even if you're unsure whether or not you're going to hold your portfolio to the day you die because you might not want to deal with the burden as you kind of get later on in the stages of your journey... Um, there are other options to get out where you could take a more passive approach later on in your life effectively. So just something to think about there for your long-term planning. If you are committing to real estate as a path to build wealth, the tax benefits are phenomenal and you can build it's there's no other asset class that allows you to build the type of tax advantage wealth that real estate allows you to do. And if you're in it for the long haul, it's really a no-brainer. And again, I want to be very clear. We are pro cost seg bonus depreciation in most cases. However, it's not to say that you should not have the conversation and understand the negative implications of depreciation recapture. So make sure that you are having that conversation. Make sure that you understand what happens if you were to liquidate in a taxable exchange and what that future tax bill might look like. And you can run these calculations yourself, right? You can kind of figure out, is this worth it? But 
in reality, we have seen it work way more than it has not. And I think that's what is often missed when people say, well, I don't let my clients do cost seg and bonus depreciation because it's a scam and it's it's too expensive and everybody forgets about depreciation recapture. Nobody's forgetting about depreciation recapture. Well, actually, I'm sure there are people that forget about depreciation recapture, but to be clear, it's not about forgetting about depreciation recapture. It's just avoiding it entirely. Right. Right. And and there, like, like we discussed here on this podcast, there are ways to do that. So get with your tax professionals and really kind of get clear on what your goals are. Um, so you could decide, you know, does this make sense for you? And if you're going to commit to the strategy, it probably will. So, but again, again, talk to your tax professionals first. So before we wrap up, just want to kind of let everybody know what's going on within the tax smart investors community. So um, going forward, uh, we're going to have weekly events within the tax smart investors Facebook group uh, at Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, so if you do want to be a part of those and interact and be part of those live events, do go join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash tax smart investors again, every Wednesday at 7 PM. But if you're listening to this, we will not be having one on Wednesday, May 3rd. So uh, if you're looking for that, I just want to be clear that we're not going to be able to have one that week. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be on an offsite retreat where we're not going to be able to do it. As for the TaxSmart Insiders Group, uh, we are working on our May Masterclass schedule, uh, working on having some uh, tax events that's going to be exciting as well. As some uh, We're going to bring in some attorneys, talk about some entity structuring, different legal uh, issues there. Then we're going to have uh, some investing events going on, some masterclasses. So if you are interested in topics like this, like we discussed here on the podcast, do join in on the conversation. Again, you can join the Facebook group or you can become an insider. If you do want to become an insider, you get a bunch of free bonuses by going to www taxsmartinvestors.com slash free trial, and you get a 30 free trial and join in on all the conversations that are taking place. So we'll see you there and we'll catch you on the next episode of Tax Smart REI. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients, and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.